Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Good. Lovely to have you all here. Can you all hear okay? Give me a signal. Oh, okay. Okay. I was worried there for a second. Uh, today is a little mini course in understanding Dogen. Dogen, Master Dogen, of course, is um, the fellow who brought Soto Zen to Japan and is considered our central teacher in Soto Zen. But unfortunately, many folks, and I'm one of them, struggle very much reading and understanding much of Master Dogen because he was tough. Uh, I, for years, uh, tried to read his most famous work, Shobo Genzo. And uh, to be honest, I couldn't get my head around it. So I thought maybe you have to be a, a fully enlightened being, if a Buddha could understand this, but not a mere uh, mortal human being like uh, me. And uh, then I thought uh, that uh, maybe there was some secret code here. My own teacher, Nishijima Roshi, had uh, his idea about uh, what uh, Master Dogen meant and kind of broke down uh, each line of uh, Master Dogen's uh, ideas into his, uh, he had a, a way of analyzing them in four categories. And it's very useful. And it's, I don't think it's, it's uh, uh, something to be ignored at all. But I think sometimes that there was a little bit more to Master Dogen, whereby, now this is what's a little sacrilegious. I don't think even Master Dogen always knew what he meant. Well, I should clarify that. I don't think he knew what he meant just as an idea, but I think he knew what he meant as a feeling, as a song, as a poem he was trying to convey a certain insight and feeling. You know, we listened last night, I listened, I'm going to post it later. Uh, Chris Bathke, who's uh, one of our regular sitters here, uh, sent me the winner of the Clyburn competition playing Rachmaninoff, an 18-year-old boy uh, from Korea. Magnificent. I listened to it. It runs about an hour. I listened to it three times yesterday, and sometimes it, I was in tears. What did Rachmaninoff mean by that music on the keyboard? There are no words. What did Rachmaninoff mean? Rachmaninoff meant a feeling, you see, a feeling, a music. Jazz, you see, is sometimes conveyed with words. But it's the feeling, you know. It's trying to express something in very, shall we say, inspired, inspiration, inspired, creative, new ways to, to squeeze out the meaning. That's what you have to have in your heart when you read a bit of Dogen. Now, I got to tell you, I, this, this comes from um, inspiration by my own family. Uh, Yakshim can tell you too, Chris can tell you, I'm no musician, I'm no poet at all. Um, I have my own quirky writing style, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a poet. And uh, I have uh, 
barely the ability to, to fumble my way over a guitar. But my mother was actually a professional jazz singer in the 40s and 50s. She wasn't famous or anything, but she, boy, she, she played with all the big shots and has a, a string of records to her name. She was a real jazz singer and was very disappointed in her poor son who never, I took after my father. I'll just tell you that. Very nice guy. Couldn't hold a note. Well, that's me. I, I took off to, after that side of the family. And uh, I can't play jazz, but I'll tell you something. Growing up in that house, I understood what they were doing. I could follow it in my heart. And then when I picked up Dogen, I realized that, man, he's playing jazz here. Jazz with words, word jazz. Uh, so I'd like to dedicate today to mom's memory, what we're doing, because the lesson comes from her. And it's not only, I got to tell you, my whole family, I'm such a disappointment in my whole family. I'm the black sheep. Uh, my sister was a ballet dancer. Uh, my uncle Bob was Leonard Bernstein's assistant conductor at the New York Miller Philharmonic in the 1950s for a while. And he was in charge of something called the Young People's Concerts. Uh, Uncle Bob would organize these concerts to teach young people the beauties of classical music. And they would usually do something like Peter and the Wolf or something like that. Well, uh, also, I'm going to dedicate today to Uncle Bob because I was another disappointment to him as well. Um, I, uh, again, um, have no abilities that uh, that side of the family has, but I'm going to make today a little bit of a young people's concert, you know, where they used to take you and force you to listen to Peter and the Wolf, and you were supposed to understand, anybody have this experience? They took you and they dragged you and they played Peter and the Wolf, and they said, that's a bassoon, and that's a violin, and now you understand classical music. Uh, it washed over me. But I can tell you, within 40 minutes, I'm going to get you to understand a little bit of what Dogen was on about. Because Dogen took the old standards, like the jazz musician takes a, a, an old classic standard. It could be Happy Birthday. It could be Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Or, uh, you know, uh, any song, Fly Me to the Moon, anything and starts to syncopate the time, bend the time, make crazy references, pull in things that seem like non sequiturs, but like uh, someone who's doing rap today, somehow the, the, the words connected just resonate with something, you see. Like a DJ who's sampling various sounds just because they're interesting sounds that go together, something new and alive springs forth. 800 years ago, Master Dogen was way ahead of the whole crowd because this is exactly what he was doing here. He was taking the old standard Buddhist classics. The teachings are in there, man. Don't get me wrong. He's just not saying crazy stuff. He's working for, from a classic teaching, and then he explodes it, just makes it head off like fireworks in different directions to see what animal emerges, you see. That's the jazz. That's what Dogen does. 
And it's not a worthless, meaningless exercise because the way you don't want to only understand this with your, your brain, you want to feel it in the bones, which is what you do with music. When I he heard that kid playing Rachmaninoff yesterday, man, it was right in my bones, right in my heart, man. The tears were down my eyes. That's what Dogen does, you see. So to understand Dogen, I'm going to take you through like my Uncle Bob with the Peter and the Wolf. Okay, please excuse me. First, I'm going to tell you a little Buddhist musicology. You got to understand a little bit of what is being referred to here. Then Dogen works with the old standard. It's the Lotus Sutra. So the Lotus Sutra channels Buddha with these wild images. It's already pretty wild. And Dogen takes that wild and wilds it even more. You got it? So uh, I, I'm qu quoting a little from my, my book here, which was uh, the Zen Master's Dance, a guide to understanding Dogen and who you are in the universe. And I, I, I just said this, I believe that Dogen was often trying to impress his listeners with a hot set of startling phrases. I don't think he was ever just putting on the show. He said what he meant, and he meant what he felt, you see. Dogen was being true to the Buddha's sound. With Dogen, we have to learn to feel the music more than just intellectually understand the score. I compare him to John Coltrane or what Picasso did to a table. Uh, Chris, this is dedicated to you too, man, because I just mentioned you. You know I have no musical talent, and here I am talking music today. By the way, I just mentioned the Rachmaninoff. I listened to it three times yesterday. Uh, Chris is the one who turned me on to this uh, kid. It was wild. I'll, I'll post it later. All right. So to me, Master Dogen was blowing his Shobogenzo sack, sax. You know, saxophone, riffing, rocking, rolling, ranting, and rephrasing by expressing, folding, bending, fractalizing, unfolding, straightening out again, teasing, releasing the standard tunes of the old sutras and old koans. That's what he's doing here. Okay. Uh, very interesting. He's very much like the beatniks uh, from the 50s. You know, I posted some beatnik poetry. There's a lot of resonance there. So you guys, man, when you dig what we're doing today, I want to see some snapping, okay? Right? All right. Light your cigarettes. I'm going to give you permission today, man. We're beating it next. Uh, actually, don't do that. Don't do that. But uh, figuratively, figuratively. All right, put on your, uh, your berets. Grab your coffee. We're in the coffee house. All right? Ready? All right, let's dig some Nyorai Zenshin, the Buddha's whole body. He quotes from the Lotus Sutra, which is set as a, a, a lecture, a talk that never historically happened, on Vulture Peak, this mountain in India that I had a chance to vi visit. And all the, the great divas and and bodhisattvas and lay people, thousands of them are gathered there to hear this talk. The talk's about a stupa. A stupa is what you'd call maybe a pagoda, one of those towers that you'd see as a temple. Got to start you off with a little history here. When the Buddha died, Buddhism became kind of a cult of the stupa. What happened is they took his ashes, 
They really divided them up really nice. Everybody got a little. And they built these stupas that are still existing. If you go to India, you can see the remains of many of them. But there are also, you see them in Thailand, even here in Japan. Even here, I posted a picture. Uh, I've got one right outside. And inside there, there would be some of the ashes of the Buddha, you see. And the stupa eventually became known as the Buddha's body, and they would worship the stupa. You know how this goes in religion, right? Suddenly, the, the stupa became the body of the man. People would go to worship the stupa. The one here, actually, I brought from my trip to India. I have a lotus leaf, uh, not a lotus leaf, a, 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 a leaf from the Bodhi tree that came from where the sutra, the, the Buddha sat to be enlightened, and it's in our stupa here. So here they're talking about the Buddha's body as a stupa, and there's just worshipful atmosphere. Everybody's coming to worship the stupa, and they give the, the flowers, and they ring the bells, and it's made, the stupa is made of the precious gems, which are gold and silver, and uh, lapis lazuli, I don't even know what that is. I never actually understood what that, but it's one of those precious gems, okay? That's what we have here, all right? On Vulture Peak in Rajagraha, India. Sakyamuni Buddha said to Baishajaraja Bodhisattva Mahasattva, the Bodhisattva Medicine King, we're already into some magical state. It's like a, a character from the Lord of the Rings. Like I could say to you, Frodo or one of those. It, who is this, this fellow with this incredible name? Uh, nobody really knows. It's just a, he's not someone who appears regularly, but he was there with this incredible name, the Bodhisattva Medicine King. Baisha Jaraja. This is the Lotus Sutra. This is not Dogen. This is the Lotus Sutra being read. Wherever a sutra is expounded, read, chanted, copied, or kept, because the sutra now also became the sacred words of the Buddha, you see. The Buddha is long dead, but we have his words and sutras. And the sutra becomes a stupa, you see, which is also the body of the Buddha. A seven treasure stupa, tall, wide, and solemn is erected. But do not enshrine the Buddha's relics in it. Don't stick dead ashes. Don't stick dead bones. It's alive, man. The reason is that a stupa embodies the Tathagata's entire body. The stupa is the Buddha's entire body, but he doesn't mean the physical body, man. He means the body, the whole works, the whole thing, man body. You see, this is not even Dogen. This is the Lotus Sutra with this mystical image that the stupa is the sutra, which is the whole body of the Buddha, which is a whole wild, fantastic thing, which is you and me too, you see. You see, this is a fantastic image. The stupa embodies the Tathagata's entire body, so make offerings of all sorts of flowers and incense and jewels and canopies and banners. Play music and give chanting verses to respect, to revere, and to admire the stupa, which is the Buddha's body, which is the whole thing, you see. When people see this stupa, 
bow and make offerings to it, for they know that they are closer to uns. They are closer. They are as close as close can be to unsurpassable, complete enlightenment. Okay, now that's the original image there. You got the, the Buddha, which is the, the words of the Buddha, the sutra, which is the, the pagoda, which is the whole thing, man, which is you and me too, of course. Now you can see already when I'm playing Dogen's jazz, I'm also going to improvise a bit on Dogen's jazz too, with a little Jundo jazz to just mess up Dogen's jazz, who's already messing up the Lotus Sutra, which is already messing up the Buddha's teachings, you see. It's a mess, man. It's a cosmic mess. You got it? Snapping, please. Did you dig it? Do you dig it? All right. Now here's Dogen. He picks up his horn. Here he goes, right? He's going to blow. Miles Davis. Miles Dogen. All right? In this way, man, a sutra is expensive. Bounded, read, chanted, man, it's copied. It's copied, man. You don't even need ink and a pen. You don't need paper. It's copied. It's chanted. A sutra is reality. Guys, reality, the sutra is reality, man. That's the chanting. That's the expounding. That's the whole thing, man. To build a seven treasure stupa, man, you don't need bricks. You don't need wood, man. Because to build a seven treasure stupa is to build Reality. Dig it. The stoop is height. You can't measure that, man. Oh, actually, you can measure it. It's, it's that small. It's as vast as the cosmos, man. That's the stoop is height. The stoop is breath, man. It's as wide as wide can be and as short as a... I don't know, a micron of a micron, man. The stupid height and breath are the scale of reality. All right. A stupa embodies the Tathagata's entire body. That means the stupa is the Tathagata's entire body reality yes can you dig it can you dig it thus expounding reading chanting copying and so on are the Tathagatas say it with me Entire body. Reality. Yeah. Yeah. So make offerings, man. 
You know, not you don't go to a flower store and buy some cheap flowers. You don't grab a stick of incense like this incense over here. That's, that, no, man, make offerings, the real offerings of, of, of all sorts, the real flowers, the incense, man, that, that you can't even hold in your hand, the jewels, the canopies, banners, the music and chanting, verses to respect, to revere and admire. The stupa. Not stupid, man. I'm not being stupid. This is the stupa. Okay? Not just regular incense. You can I mean we offer regular incense and we, we chant regular chants, but he's saying offer the the heavenly flowers, man. The heavenly incense. The heavenly canopies. And so on. These are all marks of say it with me. Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. These are all marks of reality. Dig it. Dig it. Or offer excellent flowers, man. The, the original Japanese Chinese word is like it's excellent, but it means like you can't believe how excellent this is. Excellent, man. Offer these excellent, excellent flowers. Offer this excellent, excellent incense. Offer this renowned robes, man. Renowned garments of the human realm. These are all marks of, yeah, man, reality. Just reality. Just right here, man. So a stupa is erected. But do not enshrine the Buddha's relics in it. Man, that cat is dead. 2,500 years, dead, gone. We don't need no ashes. We don't need no old Buddha tooth. We don't need no Buddha bone. Because he's alive, man. That's where we enshrine. He's alive right here, right now. He's alive in you. I'm looking at him. He's all of this, man. That's his embody. See? So do not enshrine some dead old ashes, Buddha's relics in it. From this we know that a sutra, the words we're reading right now, this is the relics of the Tathagata, is the entire body of the Tathagata. Now there is no greater merit than seeing and hearing golden words uttered by the Buddha. Hurry up and accumulate your effort and virtue. Man, don't do this half-assed. Get going, hurry up and practice, man. When you see people bow and making offerings to the stupa, Know that they are closer, closer than close, as close, as close, as close can be, even though they may not know it, even though you may not know it, but you are as close, as close can be to unsurpassable, complete enlightenment. Because, man, that enlightenment is the Tathagata's body, man, reality. I'm snapping alone here, guys. 
When you see the tower, sincerely bow and make offerings to it. Thus all come closer to unsurpassed complete enlightenment. Closer, now get this, this is not something you can get close to. No, you can you get close to being away from? Because it's right here, man. That's how you get close to it, by realizing it's always here, there, and everywhere, man. So that's, he says, closer is not to come close to or to go close to. Unsurpassable complete enlightenment is all closer to. Right now, when you see those who receive, chant, elucidate, I guess that's what I'm doing. I'm elucidating, elucidating. And you're my elucidates. I'm on an elucidate. Dig it. When you see those who receive, chant, elucidate, and copy a sutra, you are seeing this stupa. Rejoice that all are close, closer than close, closer than close to, closer than close from, unsurpassable, complete enlightenment. The body of Buddha, man. Reality. I'm trying to sound like a beatnik. Okay. This being so, a sutra is the Tathagata's entire body. To bow to a sutra is to bow to the Tathagata's entire body. To encounter a sutra is to encounter the Tathagata's entire body. You don't even have to read it. It can't be held down by paper. It's not a matter of ink. That sutra, by the way, is right before your eyes. Look and look around where you are. Here's the sutra. Your eyes are the sutra. That's right, man. Your eyes, dig it, are the sutra. You are the sutra expounding, man. Am I blowing your mind? I'm losing my place here, but I don't think it matters. I, I don't think it matters if I lose my place. A sutra is the relics of the Tathagata. So the relics of the Tathagata are a sutra. If you know that a sutra is the relics of the Tathagata, if you don't know that the relative, or if you don't know that the relics of the Tathagata are a sutra, it is not the Buddha way. It is not. No, no, no. The reality of all things right now is a sutra. Kono jinsei wa zenbu okyo desu. Ano kami ni kaita okyo jinatte. Kore wa zenbu honto no okyo desu. Kore wa honto no hotoki wa ne. Kore jinatte. Indu ni naatte hito jinatte. Kono zenbu. Hai. Alms right now is a sutra. All right. Now he goes through these, all this classic Buddhist stuff. All right. It is the human realm where we live. The diva realms. It's a wet sutra. It's empty space. 
I was just watching this morning, took 17 minutes. They had the first live pictures from Mars. Anyone dig that this morning? I was watching that. It all came out. It was a little fuzzy too, but it was Mars. But that in between was a lot of empty space. Takes 17 minutes at the speed of light for the picture to get here from Mars. 17 minutes at the speed of light. Right? And then you're looking at it. It's supposed to be Mars right now, but it's Mars 17 minutes ago. Anyway. That, too, is the sutra. This land, other lands, are all the reality of all things. They're all a sutra, man. It's all relics. All of it's relics. See? He's playing with those, you know, like a jazz guy. He's taking all the, those key words from the original. You had the were relics. You had stupa. You had divas. And he's just mixing and matching them, man. See where they all fit together and what comes out, man. Uh, it's, all, it's all the sutra, man. It's all the relics, man. You got it? The relics are the sutra. The sutra is the relics. The relics is the stupa. The stupa is the relics. Of, like, see? And it's all true. It's all true. Now, these are, now then he takes every kind of Buddha he can think of. The ancient Buddhas. It's the present Buddhas. You know, like, I don't know, Wynton Marcellus, so he's already a little past his prime. Chris knows uh, some better names I, I should be thinking of, but uh, it's the Prateka Buddha. That's basically a self-made Buddha, a self-taught musician of Buddhism. Okay, kind of look down on in Buddhism because we're supposed to be a community working together. If you teach yourself, you're, you're kind of just doing it, you know, you're on your, on your own. But he's a self-taught musician of Buddhism, right? You could be a wheel-turning king, man. That means a great leader who changes the world. You could be lion kings of the Dharma, man. And there are wooden Buddhas. We got a bunch right here, wooden Buddhas. And we got painted Buddhas, man, on a, on a picture. And these are all relics of humans. Don't limit yourself to some painted Buddha, man. Nowadays, among Buddha ancestors in China, there are those who manifest relics while they are alive. You know, they, they burn you in, uh, in Buddhism and, and they find little stones, little jewels. Footnote. This is a little thing. And they, they cherish these. They worship them. They make altars and they put them in glass and people come and bow to them. They're gallstones. Okay. They, they didn't know that in the old days. They would find these jewel-like things. Okay. All right. So my joke is that my high cholesterol diet is making me more sacred every day. I just passed the relic. Oh, it was painful. Anyway, okay. So there are these Buddha ancestors in China who manifest relics while they are alive. And there are many who manifest relics after being cremated. Yes, I manifested my relic while I was alive, boy. Oh, what a day. Oh. This shall pass. But anyway, such relics are all sutras. Shakyamuni Buddha said to the assembly, I practice the bodhisattva path in my past life. The long life I have achieved by this has not been exhausted. My lifespan will be doubled in my future life. There's a part of the Lotus Sutra where it's all kind of, the Buddhist didn't die 2,000 years ago. He turns out to be kind of timeless. 
he just uh, kind of like Elvis faked his death. All right. Like that guy in that other religion, you know, who they opened the cave and he's not there. You know, I hate to tell you, we kind of got that belief in Buddhism, too. So somehow the Buddha died in India, but he never really did. He's up there with Elvis, man. He's still here, walking this earth somewhere, everywhere. All right. The Buddha is kind of timeless but because he's not limited to the body, man. He's not bones and ashes. It's this everything, which is, say it with me, reality. Yes. Okay. The relics of 84 to approximately 25 bushels are no other than the Tathagata's timeless life. Not sure where that measure comes from, but sounds big. How much is the lifespan of one who practiced the Bodhisattva path in the past life beyond the boundary of the billion worlds? You know, this was written thousands of years ago. They didn't know there was actually a billion worlds. Now we look up with the Webb Space Telescope, and there he is. There are billions, not only billions, there are billions of billions, right? They didn't know about it back then, but yet here we are talking about it. Beyond the boundary of the billion worlds is the Tathagata's entire body is a sutra. Now, people get confused here. Are we talking like some god, Buddha the god? Now, now get this. Buddha was a man who lived in India. The word Buddha also came from the wisdom which was possessed by the Buddha who was in India. The Buddha's wisdom was that all things are this wholeness, this greatness, this, this, this wonder. So that's the Buddha. When we use that other sense of Buddha, it means this whole thing. Okay. It's not a God. It's a, it's another code word for everything, man. Emptiness, the whole thing. All right. Reality. You got it. But the man in India is the stupa, is the ashes, is the relic, is the whole thing. You and me too. You got it? We'll read a little more and then we'll stop for today because you don't have to. This is not something you have to finish. It's just the music. Prajna Kuta Bodhisattva said, another Bodhisattva, but I think this is his only appearance in all of Buddhism. I see that Shakyamuni Buddha was engaged in ceaselessly pursuing the Bodhisattva path. When I observe the billion worlds, there is not even a little tiny poppy seed that is not a place where this Bodhisattva gave up his life for the sake of other beings. Thus he achieved the path of enlightenment. From this I know that the billion worlds are a piece of his compassionate heart, a piece, a bit of his boundless realm, the Tathagata's entire body. It is beyond whether he did or did not give up his life. Let's go to the big finale here. Like that kid playing Rachmaninoff. Boy, man, the last couple of minutes there, I thought he was going to jump right through the piano. Beautiful. Here we go. Thus, relics are neither before nor after the Buddha. It's not just some ashes that were left after the Buddha, man. These relics are neither before nor after the Buddha, nor do they stand shoulder to shoulder with the Buddha. Being engaged in difficult and rigorous practice through innumerable eons is the Buddha's womb, man, where all things are born. 
and his abdomen activities. I don't know what that means. It's his abdomen activities. Frankly, sounds a little dirty there. I don't know what that means. Okay. But it's something fertile and vibrant. I don't know, man, but whatever the Buddha's womb and abdomen activities is, that's what this is. The Buddha's skin, man, his flesh, his bones, not just the bones, the marrow of the bone is this. This is spoken of ceaselessly. He makes further effort after attaining Buddhahood. He just didn't, you know, attain Buddhahood and give it up. He kept going. That's why our practice keeps going, man. You're already Buddha. I'm already Buddha. He's already Buddha. You already keep Buddha, but you don't stop. You keep going. He goes further and further giving guidance to the billion worlds, man. This, this is the activity of the Tathagatas. Entire body. Now you understand, Dogen? I don't even think Dogen would have understood Dogen, but Dogen felt exactly what Dogen was doing. Thank you. That is our presentation of Peter and the Wolf. Any questions? Once again, I've left everyone too stunned to breathe. <laughs>